0: Welcome to the Tarot Readers Academy TV and podcast, the place to be to get the tools, tips, techniques, and building blocks to level up your tarot reading practice, heart-centered business, and spiritual journey. I'm Ethany Dawn. I am a full-time card slinger, business coach, author, and the headmistress of the tarotreadersacademy.com. And to top it all off, I'm also your host for this TV series and podcast.
1: Hi everybody, it's Ethany and welcome back to the TRA TV and podcast and we are going to be talking about something very important. It's also quite the buzzword. It's quite the thing that's been going around for the last, I want to say a couple of years at least. It's become quite the hashtag and something that we've seen a huge push in. But before I even start on that topic, let me introduce you to the person who is here to lead us down to Wonderland. Her name is Sarah Chapel, and Sarah and I Well, we connected through the Academy and through Instagram and Sarah and I have worked together. And one of the beautiful things that I found from Sarah's work when she did a reading for me and when we were talking about what she wanted to do with building her beautiful business was this in super authentic way that Sarah wanted to embody how to use tarot for true self-care and all of the aspects that entails. And that's a big thing to take on. And this beautiful woman, has this incredible soul and does such important work. I had to have her on to talk about this important subject. So Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today and say
2: hello to everybody. Oh, hello, hello. And thank you so much for having me. I'm so overjoyed to be here. Yay! I love it when I I love it. Well, first of all, I get very
1: excited when people say yes, because I'm always like, will you come and chat to me? And I was very, very, very excited. So Sarah, my first question is, tell us a little bit about your business and how you came to really embody this um, self-care with Tarot work.
2: Yeah, well, all of this stems from my own need to fix myself. (laughs) And the word fix is kind of challenging, but I got myself uh, to a place in my life where I was really struggling with my mental health. I was struggling with addiction. I had no idea what self-care was or how to support me as a body or a soul. And when I started learning tarot was the first time that I had a language to understand my challenges, and then to start to pinpoint areas where I needed to care for myself. And over time, that work really came together. And I started to see tarot as a tool to nurture, nourish, and help me and and now my clients and students to recenter their own agency, which is ultimately, I believe, kind of the core of self-care, that ability to trust ourselves.
1: That's awesome. Can you maybe unpack that uh, a little bit, recenter your own agency? Because I know a lot of people, when I say things like reclaim your power, I get tons of people saying, what does that actually mean? So what does reclaiming your agency mean?
2: For me, that's all about... Becoming the people who are leading our own lives, coming back to what we actually want, what we actually desire, who we want to be, what our needs are to be supported, like that self-care piece, and then using all of that to actively create our own future. And that's reclaiming our agency is becoming the primary agent in our life rather than our friends, our family, our parents, our society, and all of the other structures that have formed us. We get to create our own structures. I find that something that
1: just came up for me while you were talking about that, it's its also a very temperance feeling for me in the fact that it is quite the balancing act. So to have your own agency, but to also be a part of a community and to have your own, to be in the driver's seat, but to therefore be, to show up for other people and to do your part in your community or for your family or for your friends. So like when, when I talk about self-care and, and healthy boundaries and reclaiming your power and reclaiming your own vision, I'm, I always kind of like to say to people as well, it doesn't mean you aren't a good friend or a good mm. wife, lover, husband, daughter, whatever, mother, parent. It's about allowing those times where you really, really feel like you're, you're being swayed a, away from who you really are to not stop you. So it, yeah, for me, it's a very, te- it's a very temperance uh, card energy.
2: Well, and Anthony, I'd love to know if you experience this, but as people who work with other people who show up and hold space and teach and guide, if like, I don't take care of myself, I can't do any of that. Not only can I not show up for my partner, show up for my dog and my community, you know, I can't do my job. So self-care becomes the bedrock of actually being a better community member, I think.
1: Right. And we, and what's great about this, I mean, everything is, um, Everything has the potential to be problematic, let's let's just face it. But one of the great things about this conversation and the fact that how self-care is now something that most people are happy to at least talk about is that it's releasing this idea that you have to be a martyr to be a healer, or that you have to be a martyr to serve a community. And that thank goodness we're moving away from that.
2: Definitely. And I see that still all the time. And it's a trap that I know I fall into. I mean, just before we got on this call, we were talking about working a lot. (laughs) And it's when you do what you love, and you're helping people, it's easy to fall into that martyrdom trap. And that's why, you know, self care, it is a hashtag, it is a whole thing. And I'm right with you the past couple of years, it's really blown up. But when we come back to the core, taking care of ourselves actually allows us to be better humans. And as long as we remember that context, That it's not just, it's not selfish, it's not about us as like individuals away from our community, but as a way to re engage with the people, causes, and work that we care about, I think it really cracks open into something powerful and beautiful and ultimately easier for us to focus on because we know it's going to come back in and serve the wider world. I love that. I absolutely love
1: that. So I have a question for you Are you um, open to discussing how you found? where on the road of taking care of your mental health and um, your addiction recovery, where did you find Tara in that intersection and how did it
2: help you? Yeah, it's been a huge part of my recovery. I um, I won't go into my whole addiction story, but I was living in New York City. I was working in the wine industry as an editorial director for a big wine import company. So I had a dream job as a drinker. (laughs) Plenty of free, great alcohol, and nothing really bad ever happened, but I was no longer myself, and I didn't really have control. I did not have agency, and I was hurting myself, hurting the people who who I love, and when I was finally able to stop drinking, the first thing that happened was I realized how sensitive I was. (laughs) Alcohol for me really dampened my intuition. Oh my gosh, and it came back in this roar, and I was like, what the fuck is going on? I had been kind of a witchy kid definitely I would like sneak into my basement and read Scott Cunningham books like you know I was I was there <laughs> or Silver Ravenwolf I'm a child of the 80s oh my gosh um, I had I still have all the Silver
1: Ravenwolf books because they're all originals like that cover of sorry I'm digressing but that cover of Teen Witch with those like five badass witches on the cover I live oh I still God. have that copy with like notes in it so yeah I'm I'm there with you <laughs>
2: yeah. okay awesome so I had all of that, but as I got older, I got more secular and busy worrying about being cool and stuff, um, and busy drinking. So when I stopped drinking, all of that intuition came back. And fortunately at the time I lived in Brooklyn in like 2014-15 when was like this boom of healership. So I had some friends who were going to places in New York, Maha Rose is one of the places in particular, and I just started taking classes. I was like, what do I do with this intuition? Like, what is this? What's happening? Why am I so sensitive? Why is the subway so loud? And I took a tarot class and it just clicked. I felt like I was learning a language. You know, it's one of the ways that I talk about tarot is that it's the language of being human. It's like, I felt like I was learning this language of me. I was like, oh, this is a card that tells me about me in a way that I don't have the the um, wherewithal to understand on my own. At least I didn't at that time. So it dovetailed so nicely when I was trying to figure out why am I drinking like this? Why am I hurting myself? Why you know am I running away from my life? What am I so afraid of? And that helped me to tease apart not only early sobriety, but also the underlying mental health challenges, the underlying anxieties, fears, and frankly, like societal programming around success that had got me in this tight spot, Tarot was like, no worries, we got you.
1: <laughs> That's so amazing. And I, I mean, I know we've clicked on this before, but I totally agree with you. It isn't a language. And if it's a language that you, speaks to your soul or that you innately understand, it is like, like, Oh, the, 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 light switch goes on. You're like, Oh, this is like so much deeper than just me. Yeah. And so now you do some of this work with your clients. So can you talk to us a little bit about how you, you support, use the tarot as a supportive practice for self-care for your clients?
2: Yeah, one of the big things in the bulk of my work right now is what I call tarot mentorship. And I work with people who are either beginning to read or want to advance in reading. And some of them are, want to be professional readers, but a lot of them are just kind of curious. That language has clicked for them. And what I find is it's so simple, but so magical the simple process of learning the cards, of seeing the story, of being able to map out your life and the possibilities and the realities of how you feel and how you're thinking, and like again, to tease apart these details, that brings people back to self care. It forces them gently, sweetly, to look at themselves in a way that makes them actually address what is happening it's very I mean we can right we can reshuffle say I want different cards I want a different answer but at the end of the day it's really hard to run away from what the cards are saying they'll come back yeah they tell you they'll just start stalking you and then you're <laughs> yeah. like oh right okay <laughs> yeah I can't ignore it so when I teach people this tool you know not only are they learning a new skill and they get to learn how to do it for themselves but the process of learning I find actually is what cracks open self-care on a deeper level because they aren't hiding from themselves anymore.
1: Hmm. That's awesome. I love that. So how do you, are there any little, so like uh, rituals or things that you can talk about in regards to the big one that I find is like the biggest pillar in self-care
2: around setting boundaries? Mm. Oh my gosh. Yes. I um, I do a lot of energy work and I work with flower essences as well. And um, one of the things I love to do, and I know folks have different interpretations of this card, but this is my experience with it, is I like to use the four of pentacles as a boundaries card, as kind of asserting those boundaries. Like all of those coins are protecting me in a way. And I like to pull out that card or have my clients pull out that card and put that on their altar space and then work with maybe black tourmaline stone or a yarrow flower essence Yarrow is great for boundaries, especially for sensitive people who soak things up, and to incorporate some small daily ritual, just of even seeing the card, I find that having that visual touch point for people doesn't have to be a big ritual, especially if we're really struggling, doing a lot of magic making can be a little overwhelming, I love simple things. Just seeing the card, touching a stone, taking the flower essence, all of those little touch points reinforce that commitment to boundaries. My real favorite one is really simple and anybody at home pretty much can do this because you can do it with your kitchen stuff is I like to have people do a salt scrub in the Mm. bath. It doesn't have to be fancy salt. I've used kitchen salt plenty though. Fancy salt is awesome. And just literally reaffirming the edges of your body by, by rubbing salt over them, which for me is one of my biggest magical tools. I think that salt is an amazing cleanser of energy. It sucks things away and it re we remember where we end and the world begins and that act is a simple magic. We wash it down the drain in the shower. And for me, has always just been a go to for boundaries. That, like, I mean, we, we probably have some kitchen salt in your house. You don't have to be a, have a fancy witch kit to do that one.
1: I love that image is that remember where you end and the world begins. Because we also, one of my favorites is every time um, you get someone to breathe in, I get them to, like, almost like a um, reverse balloon so it's like inhale yourself back to yourself Mm. close up your you know bring your aura down because we can often extend it out especially if we're worrying about someone or our thoughts are going somewhere else so bringing it back every time you breathe in and then like crystallizing it even just in your mind's eye you can do that anywhere you can go to the bathroom stall at work and do it so you're right you you don't um you don't need it doesn't need to be like (laughs) all flashy although if you like flashy that's great but Something that you can use, you know, instantly is, is pretty helpful too. Or like you said, with kitchen salt. <laughs> so uh, well, something else that I wanted to ask you was what is your thoughts and recommendations for people who often find that they go to tarot when they're feeling anxious or they're really fearful about what's going on in their lives?
2: Yeah. So I have a couple kind of ground rules for working with tarot when you're in an anxiety place, because I think like anything, it can be very useful, but we can also use it to fuel our anxiety if we aren't careful. My first one is to have clear boundaries, yes, but by that, I mean rules around the cards. One of the big things anxiety makes us do is keep thinking, thinking, thinking. And that translates to pulling, pulling, pulling more cards. We'll see folks you end up, you have a 78 card spread in front of you. And, and you're like, I, I'm so confused. And you're like, well, no wonder. <laughs> exactly. So I say, I like to give people like just a three card, whether it's a spread or whether you're just pulling three cards. I think three is great. I mean, it's enough information for, for snapping out of our situation, but if we honor that and we actually just do three, that starts to stop the cycle. It's when we keep pulling more. So I say, that's my first one always. Don't pull all of the cards in your deck. <laughs> Limit yourself to three. And, fall, and, and, and give yourself the gift of actually completing that boundary of not going beyond it. The second one for me is actually that when I use tarot from this lens, um, I'd say of self-care, but very much from a mental health perspective, is that I'm not looking towards the future at all. I'm really interested in the present and that's because for me personally trying to figure out future focused energies when my brain is going crazy and I can't focus and I'm full of anxiety which is a future focused energy totally anyway right.
1: yeah
2: trying to discern potential future paths is like a disaster it just creates more story more fear and we can you know we don't have the nuance when we're in a panic state, to understand what might be coming through, especially if we get a challenging card as a future outcome. I mean, I've definitely seen readings where I've been panicked and then I pull, I don't know, like the devil or the tower and I can't work with that energy in that state. I'm just like, oh my God, I'm going to die, even though I don't actually think that about those cards. So I like to get in the present. And one of my ways to do that. Because I like to do a really simple spread where all we're doing is kind of teasing apart our perception of reality. That could be like card one, like what do we think is going on? And then what is actually going on? What is reality? Just those two cards can be enough to start to be like, okay, here's my brain being crazy. Here's what I'm, how I'm receiving the world. And this is the reality. And that starts to ground us in the present moment rather than like this future tripping crazy tra- town, which is where the anxiety brain is like already going. And that's what it's I think. It's like, an overload. Talk. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I love that. I think that is so great because I, being a diviner and being someone who does totally future readings, yeah. uh, I mean, I do everything, but like a lot of my clients come to me because they want to know what's going to happen. That is a really beautiful thing to remember because I feel like people, a lot of people are like, I just want to do tarot for self-care. And and as you know, I'm like, you do tarot your way, boo. Like no one can tell you your, what is, how to use this tool. So what is, what I love is like, if you're thinking of dabbling into predictive tarot or tarot for, you know, looking at that, just remembering the boundary of if someone is in a place of anxiety or fear, they are already projecting so much of their energy into future events they're probably so invested in what's going to happen they're not probably not going to hear you anyway and they're not in a space to really understand what's taking place now that is going to make the future crappy probably you know because you project it forward so that's a really beautiful takeaway for everyone who's watching and listening is that's why for me I don't read and I was taught right from the get-go from my tarot teacher Gail. Do not read for people who are in a spiral and do not read for people who are um, in anxious, fearful states in a predictive manner, because all it's going to do is fuel the beast and they're rarely going to hear you anyway. But you can totally read for someone like that in a counselative way, in a supportive way, in a self-care way in a, you know, if you do tarot with psychology, um, if you do tarot for problem solving or brainstorming, that is totally supportive of that energy. But if you're looking, you're right, if you're looking at the future, it's um, that can get messy.
2: Yeah, and I love doing predictive tarot. I use it for planning and goal setting a lot in my business in particular, but if I'm being, if it's an anxious situation, just like you said, we're projecting so much, we're so invested that we won't actually be able to either harness the change that we need right now or to, yeah, to kind of, <laughs> to really receive that information.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. So are there any, um, specific
2: decks that you like to use for your self-care and time? Uh- yeah, I am an accidental classicist. I work with the um, the Rider-Waite-Smith, uh, the Centennial Edition. I like the muted colors. Um, and I think that actually might have a little bit to do with my self-care and anxiety self. I'm very easily overstimulated. So for me, the muted, calm colors of the Pamela Coleman-Smith Edition does it for me. When I see like the bright illuminated tarot or something, that gets my brain a little bit too busy. Um, and that's my primary deck. I'm pretty boring on that front to
1: be honest I think that's boring that is a beautiful a beautiful deck and I agree the muted colors that almost like tea stained feel of that deck is so so beautiful and it honors the original kind of concept and artwork what it it, it does of um of pixie because I've told this story before about how the right the way to the (laughs) oh right away um the original right away with all the bright yellows actually like hurts my eyes and that's the reason why I never picked it up my first real reading deck even though I had the um, mythic tarot the original mythic tarot was the spiral tarot and it's a lot Deeper, It's a lot of purples. It's a lot of blues. It's a a lot of golds. It's a lot less like in your face, like bright. But then, you know, you know, flip years and years later, I could actually kind of digest it because it was like I had I had to take like a basically I had to have my drink with a mixer because I could not take the right away Smith straight. It was just like. (laughs) Way too bright, like way too much yellow. But now I'm like, Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't read with it, it's not the cut of the deck that is on my like reading. Um, but the centennial one, sure, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, say someone wants to start using the tarot to help with their self care and they are not really quite sure where to start, um, they just have of stumbled across it and, and like oh I'm interested what are some of the, the things that you would recommend and then some of the things you think people
2: should avoid yeah I think one of the big things I mean, this is just kind of tarot in general but is thinking about the kinds of questions you're asking and I like to kind of filter things through this lens of is it useful now that kind of goes back to what we were talking about in terms of predictive readings is a predictive reading actually useful given your mental state is that going to help you or are you asking a question that is useful for me for example when we're looking at the self-care self-reflective agency-centered idea asking a question like does so and so like me i don't actually find useful i can't control that person that has nothing to do with my self-care and if i'm in a state where i'm really attached to that idea it's not going to give me any useful information but if we're reading for ourselves and we want to know what can i do to support myself being ready to find a partner that is more useful to me. It's all about the reframe and finding questions that are not centered on other people's actions and are, I would, I would say gentle. Like, and I don't mean that in a way where they don't have any meat to them, but there's a softness that we're invited into when we're trying to care and nurture ourselves versus get the answers we want or kind of beat ourselves up with the cards, which mm-hmm. is something I see folks do too. Mm.
1: so what are the um so if you is there anything else that people should maybe avoid or you found that it kind of not derails but sets sets it back because
2: I, I i've got one but i just wanted to see whether oh. you've got one <laughs> oh man I, so many i'm sure i do think that this is a place we're doing lots of readings is something to be mindful of as well and i'm a big fan of course of practicing and and But when we're again trying to care for ourselves and come back to what is useful, it's similar to that, you know, pulling all 78 cards, looking for the answer you desire and stoking your anxiety. The same thing happens if we're like, okay, well, I'm going to do another reading and just ask the question a slightly different way or do something else. And kind of instead of sitting with the message that has come through and turning that message around, almost looking at all of its facets, it's like we're trying to kind of hoard till we find what is is the answer that we want. And that's not always what's useful. If the answer we wanted was the right answer, we probably wouldn't be asking the question anyway. <laughs> so I think having again boundaries, and sometimes like I'll tell students who are troubled with this, like to write this down. Like, what are your boundaries around reading tarot for self-care? Pulling only three cards, doing one reading on a subject. You know, waiting a few weeks before checking back, and whatever that has to be so that they don't spiral out and we're back in this place of nourishment and asking useful questions that help us to figure out what we can actually do to create change rather than feeling like we're at the whims of the universe I
1: really like that's great that's very good advice for
2: for anyone who's um who
1: I love that meme that was going around for a while it's like be with someone who doesn't uh doesn't lead you to question you know go to the tarot every week I'm paraphrasing terribly but it was a really really good one and it's yep. true it's um But then again, I mean, uh, love readings are like one of my, one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. I do, I think it's like a lot of the majority of my clients want, uh, have questions about love Mm -hmm. and I get it. It's complicated and hard and people trigger you and so much comes up and all that sort of Mm -hmm. stuff. So I will happily like put on the the hat and wade through that, you know, that mud with people for sure. But when Mm -hmm. it i've definitely had to turn clients away and refund money and just say look i can't you've asked this question about this guy like several times or Mm -hmm. this person um yeah we got to move on um whether they go to another reader and continue the same thing is like not on me anymore but so my one was to one of the things that i find with some people who come into find they find tarot whether they find it at you know urban outfitters or a bookstore or whatever it may be is we it's very aesthetically pleasing and it's very aesthetically popular right now and to not maybe to maybe and I enjoy pretty things like if you came into my house you would see that I've got crystals everywhere and I've got hundreds of decks but remembering this is a 21 year old collection here it's not something I just like attained overnight um but like that, don't send yourself bankrupt into, you know, doing this and don't, it's not a band aid, mm. right? Like you can't just like grab a crystal and be like, well, I'm healed now. Like, <laughs> I'm good. You know, it's like, um, no, Stacey, you're not, uh, <laughs> you need to actually do some work, but again, you're also not in control of how people are going to use the tools, but, um, it's not a magic fix all, I guess is my thing, especially for self-care and, looking after mental health uh, that is that is for some of us that is all we're here to do on this on this earth in this lifetime so like you have to allow it to be a part of your journey every day every week every month every year
2: and I love what you said about you know but when kind of tying that back into that love readings when people are coming back with the same questions the same questions we can look at that as well with our self-care and these cards it's not a band-aid if we're coming back and we still have the same question over and over again and we think we're healed but we're still asking the same question we aren't that happened to me earlier this year I was really struggling with something I had the same I couldn't get past it my cards were kind of like this is still the thing. You haven't done anything different. And for me, with my mental health, I went to the doctor at that point. I was like, okay, great. This tool cannot support me where I need to go because I can't create the shift required to get to the next step. And just having the, giving ourselves that, um, the grace to realize that we aren't necessarily healed. It's not like a past tense thing. And yeah, for some of us, me, I'm, at least so far, this definitely, a lot of my work on this earth is constantly diving back in there. That it's not, a, yeah, it's not a magic bandaid, but yeah. and
1: That's a really good segue into this next sort of section. When do you feel is the right time for someone to seek external help outside of, even outside of yourself, if they're working with you or outside the tarot? Because there seems to also be some people in the wellness industry or like any industry that they, it kind of gets like, Little bit crapped on, like if you're taking antidepressants and you have to go see your doctor, and I'm not about that lifestyle, baby, like I hate that. I just think shaming anyone for taking care of themselves is the worst type of person. Um, but when do you when do you kind of go, oh, and then what's your go-to next step for people who, you know, clearly need to get some expert help
2: in a different field? Yeah, I mean, the first thing I'll say is I'm a clinical herbalist, so I see that from all sides, and I'm a clinical herbalist on pharmaceutical medication for my depression, right? And you know, for me, in, with both of those lenses, tarot and herbalism, if we try something and it doesn't work, I don't necessarily give up. But if we do a couple rounds, again, if I'm seeing you for a couple readings, you're still not feeling good, then we need to go outside. So I think again, we look at that repetitive questions. Are we coming back with the same energy to our decks? And is it and you know and not necessarily the energy of being dissatisfied, but are we like really stuck, really stagnant, really depressed? And we can't shift it. I think most readers will be able to see if we have recurring clients who are doing who are in that space. Um, And same as an herbalist, if I if we try maybe two different formulas and it's not budging and this person's quality of life is, is, is not good, then they need to go see a doctor. Like, I can't solve that. And of course, if somebody, you know, is, is concerned they're going to hurt themselves or hurt somebody else, that is always an immediate referral out. Um, I encourage, you know, there are so many amazing, especially like psychotherapists now who are interested in more holistic wellness. And I think that's a great next step because somebody who's maybe interested in tarot as a tool for self-care and mental health support may be more willing to go to a therapist who... I know plenty of therapists who use tarot in their practice. So I think having a list of those people who are kind of maybe adjacent to the wellness space is a great next step for somebody. Because I see a lot of people who have resistance to doctors. They haven't been listened to by doctors before. Mm. Or a goal that something that we can do is help to bridge that gap and say, but here are some doctors who are in touch with a more holistic worldview, who aren't going to laugh at you for going to a tarot reader, who are going to support you in a way that maybe more reflects your worldview. But I think as soon as those questions start reoccurring and if it's at that level of depth where somebody's really not feeling well, that is that is beyond my capabilities at least. So,
1: And that's totally something as a professional reader that we, I say like right at the beginning, I've written about this before, that we have to decide for ourselves where our boundaries are. We have to decide what kind of readings we will and will not do. And we have to be very, very, very clear with our clients even before they book, if possible as to what we can and cannot do and what we will and will not do you know we're not lawyers we're not financial um, analysts maybe if you are a financial planner in your past life and you come to this you can become this beautiful hybrid but you've got the degree and yep. the experience behind you and we're not doctors um you know you are a, a, a certified herbalist. I certainly am not you know so knowing where it's like no this is no longer in my realm of Of expertise and having the decency for your client um, to make sure that you're sending them in the right direction
2: and I think that's something I see maybe and I probably struggled with a little bit when I was a younger reader but I think readers get afraid of turning away business and we have to remember that it's not about turning away business it's about helping people like we have a responsibility if somebody comes to us in a moment of crisis to actually help them and that may not be doing a tarot reading for them
1: yes i said this on the weekend it's like the second it becomes about you you've got a problem mm-hmm. like it's not about you it's about the person who's come to you so you know don't make it about you cancel the, the payment and let them send them somewhere that's actually going to give the, get them help for sure
2: yep. so how did you come to finding um herb craft about the same about the same story as tarot i right. among like among a hand-in-hand hand thing yeah well, among my Scott Cunningham books, I had magical herbs <laughs> and when I was, a, when I was a preteen and was always interested in plants. Um, but it was around the same time because when I got sober, my body was not in great shape. It turns out that drinking a lot doesn't do a lot of good stuff for your body. Funny that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow. And I was, I think I was 28 years old. Like I was like still young and, but I was, I was sick and I really was looking for more holistic approaches because, at least in my experience—and again, this is my opinion, not a doctor—you know, Western medicine doesn't have great rebuilding support for bodies. Um, acute moments of crisis, sure, but at least in my experience, um, when you stop drinking, there there's not like there's a pill you can take to make your liver better after drinking. Right, so. it's
1: more of an elimination. It's uh, an
2: elimination, so that, yeah. yeah. And then it's nutrition and herbs are great for that. There are, doctors will recommend certain herbs for this too, like actual, you know, medical doctors. So I kind of ended up right there because I was like, wow, I don't want to just survive anymore. I want to thrive. I was like, I made it through this ring of fire. And I started making my own medicine because everything was made in alcohol. Alcohol-based tinctures are the primary way that at least in the US you? We, we get herbal medicine. So I was like, well, I need to learn how to make my own. And that's when I started going down the wormhole of making my own medicine and eventually spending two years uh, with formal herbalism studies. And it's been a really beautiful way to support myself and to support other folks because I, I love teaching people to make their own medicine, just like reading tarot for ourselves. Sometimes we need the expert. We need to go to the clinician who knows how the herbs interact with your drugs and all of those things. But so many herbal remedies you can just make yourself. So it's a beautiful place of empowerment for myself. And then a gift that I I hope to continue to give to the people I work with as well.
1: So in a session, do you, like, because those things came hand in hand for you, do you use your herbal knowledge every like 99% of the time at the end of a reading? Or how does that come into play?
2: Probably not 99% of the time. Um, The people in my mentorship program, a lot of them do struggle with chronic health issues. Mm. I think that's part of my story. So we tend to attract people who have similar challenges to us or or challenges that we've been through. So a lot of them get some extra support from me in that format. Um, But it really depends on what people are struggling with. It's one of the reasons I like flower essences so much because they're just energetic remedies that can really help to reinforce what we did during a reading. So I'll make recommendations there, even if somebody doesn't need a a physical herbal remedy. I'd say it's probably closer to 50% of the time. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And p- let us know a little bit about this free resource that you have for all the lovely people listening and watching today, which is your
2: Tarot for Self Care ebook. So, what is this about? Yes. Oh, my gosh. So, this was actually the first zine I ever wrote. Oh, wow. I've, I've updated it since, and now it's a pretty ebook PDF you can download. Uh, but I made it when I first started teaching tarot because I wanted to be able to give people something that they could kind of sink their teeth into. That didn't actually require a lot of work because so I remember that first moment of re, of learning tarot being, oh, there are seventy eight cards and they can be reversed. Oh fuck, I'm never gonna get here. And <laughs> that's why you came to me. <laughs> <laughs> so we start to um, we you know we start to learn these things. But in the ebook, um, we just a simple breakdown of keywords of the numerical structure and then kind of a padding of how to use tarot through self-care lens like we've been talking about here. So kind of framing your readings and some spreads to help you. So this is a great I mean it is wonderful for everyone, especially if you like to see how other people define cards or look at things, but it's really for folks who are just kind of picking up a deck and are like, so what do I do now? Right. <laughs> That's great. So what I'm going to do, everybody, I'm going to have that link in
1: the description below if you're watching this on YouTube, and I'm going to have it over on the podcast post at ethany.com. And so the one of the last questions to ask before we sort of like wrap this up with a pretty bow, mm-hmm. um, tell us a little bit about your course that's going to be available soon, your tariff for Self-Care. So we've got the ebook, which is like the little introduction, and then you, get,
2: you have this meaty course. It is a meaty course, because after you learn that basic structure, there's so much more, as Ethany well knows, right? So this is a 12-week online course to help you learn to read tarot through the lens of self-care, and it's all about framing the cards through your own personal experience and adding deeper and deeper layers of understanding. I'm really interested in helping people learn to read tarot in the way that they are meant to. I am not interested in teaching people to read tarot like me. I'm me. I'm fine. But I want to know how you read tarot, how you are meant to work with these cards. So it's a course that offers a combination of my experience, of course, but also a lot of questioning, journaling, and exercises to help people really step into their own way of reading tarot. And it has a beautiful community that comes with it. It's recorded videos and live calls and is... I got to be honest, it's just so sweet to see people start to learn tarot from this perspective of taking care of themselves rather than you know just focusing on some of the other, other aspects that are maybe a little bit easier to find out in the world. Oh, I love that. I love it. So um, you also have, there's a few other things. So
1: if you have uh, really enjoyed uh, Sarah's vibe, I mean, I don't know how you couldn't have. (laughs) She also has an amazing podcast. So you want to be a witch and you can find lots and lots and lots about her at Sarah M. Chapel with two L's and there's two P's.com. Again, all of the links will be below and over at ethne.com. So before we say goodbye, is there anything, any parting wisdom, anything that you want to say around self, even if it's just not tarot related, but self-care
2: for everyone who's watching and listening? I just want to share that I think that ultimately this is a journey of learning to trust ourselves and to rebuild that trust with self. You know, we talk about things like being intuitive and being psychic and all of those things, but we don't get to that place if we don't start by trusting how we're feeling in the world. And I hope that you guys will all at home start using tarot to help create that level of discernment so you can believe what you feel and believe what you see, which will make you not just a better tarot reader, but also a more useful and compassionate human.
1: I love that. That's you, because <laughs> knowing that believing that I I mean, that's the witch's parent, um, the witch's which is pyramid, right? The to know, to dare, to will, to be silent. Like once you sort of get into that space of like, I'm just going to be cool with like with me and trust in my ability and believe what's going on and honor my feelings, um, which I feel is a really big part of self care because so much of the world will be very quick to tell you your feelings are wrong. And uh, actually owning those is another part of reclaiming your power. So That's very, very powerful stuff. Thank you very much, Sarah. And thank you so much for joining us and sharing all of your beautiful energy and wisdom today.
2: Well, thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to get to talk with you and to share and talk to all the people watching at home. Bye. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.
0: Head to www.tarareadersacademy.com to check out the training and offer with our Faculty of Tarot Experts. That's www.tarotreadersacademy.com. You can also find out how to work with Ethany by heading to www.ethany.com. Thank you for joining us.